episode 873. If the Green Bay Packers are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to have to do it without Aaron Jones. We'll talk to Nathan Yankee of Pro Football Focus about the running back situation and more. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. Today we're looking at the Aaron Jones injury, its impact, and a whole lot more. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. We're joined by Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com, joining us as he does the first, not not the first, the every Wednesday during the season. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good. Glad to have you back as usual. And, and Nathan, replacing an injured Aaron Jones this past weekend was Jamal Williams, who I think look the best he ever has in a Packers uniform. Can we compare and contrast the Jamal Williams of August versus the Jamal Williams of November and where he's improved? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. This was his best game with the Packers so far. Um, Don't let the 3.4 yards per attempt uh, fool you. He he wasn't getting much help from the offensive line. Uh, He was getting 2.7 yards after contact per attempt, which is very good. Um, he had seven players miss tackles on his carries in this past game, so uh, that was great to see as well. Um, comparing that, that to the preseason, he was only averaging 1.6 yards after contact per carry, so a full yard less there. Um, in the preseason, he had five more carries and only had one defender miss tackles on his carries all preseason long, so definitely was a lot more elusive against the Bears, and the Bears typically have a pretty good run defense, so... Um, he did it against some strong competition in this past game. So um, hopefully this improvement that uh, he seems to have had over these past few months will carry on into uh, the upcoming games as well. Yeah, I couldn't say it any better myself. Uh, he looked really improved, and I hope it continues. Nathan, uh, I feel as if the past several weeks, Devontae Adams might be passing up Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb as the number one receiving option for the Packers. Do you think that's the case? He definitely has been getting more targets than the other ones, so he's been getting the ball the most um, over the past five games. Uh, he has 39 targets compared to 28 by Jordy Nelson and 19 by Randall Cobb. So uh, he's definitely getting the ball more often. On a per-target basis, he's looking pretty similar to Jordy Nelson over these past five games or so. Um, the one clear difference is Adams has been the one scoring the touchdowns recently where it was Jordy earlier in the season. But then another difference is Adams has been dropping more passes. Um, Adams has a drop in each of the last two games, uh, four drops over the last seven games, where Jordy Nelson only has one drop the entire season. Uh, Cobb still hasn't dropped a pass since the 2015 season, which is pretty remarkable. But um, because of that, uh, Nelson's been grading slightly better than Adams over uh, these past five games or so. Um, I think you can call him the number one receiver right now just because of how often uh, they've been throwing it to him and therefore how many yards and touchdowns he's been getting. But I'm not sure if that will remain the long-term answer for the Packers at wide receiver. T. 
TBD to be determined. We'll see. Uh, Nathan, was there anything notable about how the Packers used their tight ends, Lance Kendricks and Richard Rodgers, in the first game after Martellus Bennett was released? How has the tight end position changed? Um, against the Bears, the Packers had a lot more personnel diversity than they have in the past games. Um, in these past two years, we've seen the Packers use three wide receiver sets almost exclusively at times. And then uh, so far this year, prior to the Bears game, uh, they were using 11 personnel or the three wide receivers uh, 69% of the time, where against the Bears, that was down to 36% of the time. So a lot less three wide receiver sets. Uh, part of that was an increase in two tight end sets, uh, sometimes with two wide receivers and one running back, other times with just one wide receiver and two running backs. So a lot more clear run formations than what we've seen um, in the past. But then along with that, um, the last game against the Lions, we saw them use their five wide receiver set uh, for the first time this season. They used it three times in that game, uh, used it six times against the Bears, and then also uh, for the first time all season, used a set with one running back, four wide receivers, and no tight ends against the Bears. And they used that a couple of times. So um, saw both an increase in two tight end sets and zero tight end sets. So um, typically if there was just one tight end on the receiver, it was Kendricks. But um, a lot of times it was either both of them or neither of them. Very interesting that the Packers' offense is evolving here. Uh, Nathan, uh, offensive line question here. I thought Jari Evans struggled in Sunday's game. Certainly not every single play, but uh, uh, how much of that was a product of going up against Akeem Hicks, who was a pretty good defensive lineman? Uh, yeah, this was definitely his worst game with the Packers so far. Um, in the past game, he allowed a hit in two hurries, which is a little high for a guard. And then um, in the run game, there were four times where Evans was blocking someone then the guy that he was blocking ended up making a good tackle on the play. So um, a lot of those bad plays did come against Hicks, who's been uh, graded as a top five interior defender this season. So definitely competition had something to do with it. But really, we haven't talked about Evans much this season. That I think that's because he's been exactly what the Packers were hoping for, um, a good pass-protecting guard and then someone who um, isn't as good against the run as he was earlier in the in his career. But still okay in that so he's basically been that all season outside of this one game so I'm guessing it was more of a matchup issue and not a sign of things to come for Evans yeah by and large I've been impressed by Evans and uh, feel fine with the Packers sticking with them uh, we're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning Nathan on the defensive side of the football I thought Nick Perry played well but I also thought a couple of his sacks were arguably like coverage sacks. How did he grade out? I thought Perry had a good game, but it was probably more so because of his play against the run than his play as a pass rusher. Um, as you said, coverage had a bit to do with those sacks as well as Mitch just holding on to the ball too long. Um, so he does, uh, Perry does deserve some credit on those sacks, but um, he also had a pressure there, so on 33 pass rushes, he graded out just a little above average there uh, just because of the quality of the pressures that he got. But against the run, uh, he was fairly disruptive in the game, making a few run stops. Um, he made six total stops in the game, including the sacks, which well, was tied for a career high with him. So I don't think there was any single play that was like clearly highlight-worthy or very impressive. 
he was just making a lot of pretty good plays throughout the entire game and then no bad ones in there. So uh, that's why he graded as well as he did. Yeah, uh, there's something to be said for finishing plays for sure. Uh, Nathan, uh, I was disappointed in the play of Dean Lowry on Sunday. Is he in danger of losing playing time? Um, he played 18 snaps in this one, and he was fairly invisible. Uh, there were a couple plays where he graded out well because he was disruptive in the run game, but they were plays where he didn't end up making a tackle, and they were also plays called back by penalties. So um, they were pretty easy to forget because of that. Um, in the pa- As a pass rusher, he only rushed the passer five times, so he really didn't have much opportunity to get pressure. Um, he So I think in the game he looked fine. And in recent games, he's looked pretty good as well. But he hasn't looked nearly as good as Mike Daniels or Kenny Clark. So he's been losing playing time just because of how good those two players have been playing. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he might even lose more because um, Montrevious Adams had a few nice plays in this game in just seven snaps. So Adams might be seeing more playing time. So while I agree with you, I think Lowry could be seeing a, more of a decrease in playing time. But I think that has more to say about just how good the rest of the Packers' defensive linemen have been doing, more so than saying that Lowry hasn't been playing well. Yeah, and Quinn Dial could be coming back from injury too. Um, Nathan, unfortunately, I was also disappointed in the play of safeties Marwin Evans and Jermaine Whitehead, especially in coverage. How much of a downgrade have they been from Morgan Burnett and Kentrell Bryce, who didn't play? Um, in this past game, they both had a notable poor play in coverage. I don't think they were too frequently downgraded. Uh, neither of them saw a ton of playing time. So uh, first off, without uh, those other safeties, the Packers have had to change their defense a little bit, play a little bit more nickel than they had been in the past compared to how much time they were playing before. Um, I think clearly they're a bit of a downgrade to Burnett just because of how well he's been playing this season. Um, on a per-play basis, I don't think either safety was playing too much worse than what Bryce had been playing this season. But Whitehead uh, has just nine defensive snaps all season long and just have one bad play in there. Isn't really much of a sample size to go off of. And while Evans has had a few more plays, um, he only has a couple bad plays on the season. And both have looked good in preseason, or not preseason, on special teams uh, to help make up for some of those bad plays on defense. So... Um, I think this pass game in particular, over two-thirds of the passing yards were allowed by the cornerbacks. So uh, while the safeties weren't great in this one, I don't think they were a huge liability. Yeah, fair enough. A little bit of recency bias on my behalf. Um, Finally, Nathan, here before we let you go, what's the matchup we should watch for on Sunday when the Packers host the Ravens? I think the most interesting one with uh, two good players going up against each other is David Bakhtiari going up against Terrell Suggs. Um, Suggs hasn't been talked about as much in recent seasons just because uh, he hasn't been quite as good as he was in his prime, but he's still the Ravens' best pass rusher and still remains one of the best edge defenders against the run where uh, Bakhtiari has been the Packers' best pass protector by far. Um, In the run game, he's graded out fairly well in that as well. So um, Suggs pretty much always lines up at that defensive right end spot or right outside linebacker when they're in their 3-4. So um, those two will be matched up quite a bit in this game. So I think that's the most interesting. And then I also think it's worth noting uh, Ravens uh, right cornerback Jimmy Smith. uh, He's been playing like an elite cornerback all season long. And uh, Brett Hundley went throwing to the offensive left side, which is the same as the defensive right side. 
Uh, those have been a lot of his worst throws this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they avoid Smith altogether in this game as they can get away with it. So um, that'll hurt the Packers' pass game a little bit, but it's worth noting that uh, how good Smith has been playing this year. Very interesting. I'll be watching that on Sunday. Nathan, thanks so much for talking to us. Greatly appreciate it. Look forward to breaking down the Ravens game with you next week. Sounds good. Thanks again, as always, for having me, and talk to you again next Wednesday. You bet. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show and our Packers news segment. Sorry, no sound bites today. I know everybody loves the Vince Lombardi sound bite. I do too. Um, we have an update to the Aaron Jones injury, which we learned was a sprained MCL in the aftermath of Sunday's game. On Monday, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that Jones would miss three to six weeks something head coach Mike McCarthy basically confirmed in his press conference, calling it a multiple-week injury. I'm going to go ahead and say if the Packers haven't placed Jones on injured reserve by now, they're not going to. It's unfortunate, of course. Here's a player that rushed for 370 yards and averaged 5.3 yards per carry and scored three touchdowns this season and four starts and caught a couple passes, too. Um to, to me, Jones appeared to be the best and the most comfortable back in the Packers' offense. Not that the others can't be effective, and we'll just see how effective they are going forward. I, I would assume Jones is going to return late in the season. I, I guess we're going to have to wait and see if it's uh, on the shorter end of three to six weeks or on the longer end. I, I really have no feel for that going forward. I tend to think that most of the time, just because in general, when we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about elite athletes, most injuries tend to be on the shorter side. You know, though, if they say three to six weeks, it tends more often than not to be closer to three weeks than it would to six. But uh, I can't guarantee it is, I guess, all I'm saying here. And maybe if it does end up being on the long side, they could even decide to shut Jones down for the season. Uh, but uh, that's premature at this point to speculate any further than that. Um, there was good news regarding Ty Montgomery, who re-injured his ribs in Sunday's game against the Bears. Mike McCarthy said Montgomery has a chance to play this week, and he could. And And Montgomery himself echoed those thoughts, saying he wouldn't rule himself out. Uh, he did that uh, during uh, Clubhouse Live, the weekly Packers show that he co-hosts. Um, so that's encouraging. And it's probably something, you know, the, you know, Ty Montgomery's probably going to have to deal with this the rest of the season, you know, just, just living with the uncomfortableness of having an injury to his rib area. This, the, he re aggravated it despite wearing that extra padding uh, around his ribs uh, so it's just going to have to be something I imagine he deals with until, you know, he reaches the off season and it goes away uh, pretty much for good. Um, it may have to linger through then, uh, but that's the uh, that's just playing in the NFL. Uh, then, of course, there's Jamal Williams, who we already talked about at length with Nathan Yonke. Uh, the Packers may very well get Devontae Mays involved. 
Uh, but seeing as he hasn't had a single carry yet in the regular season, I wouldn't expect him to play a big role this week unless there's another injury, knock on wood. Uh, the Packers are probably going to have to rely on Jamal Williams. And if he picks up where he left off last week, the Packers should be in good shape. So that's encouraging right there. And I, I'm very hopeful that you know Jamal Williams can can keep on going where he looks to be going. Uh, I was so impressed by him this past week against the um, Chicago Bears that, you know, I I, I really liked what Nathan Yonke had to say in that, you know, don't don't look at his statistics and be like, oh, you know, they're, they're so modest, you know, he's just average. You know, a lot of it had to do with things out of his control, like the blocking and the defense. I mean, uh, the blocking wasn't all that great for Jamal Williams, and he succeeded in spite of it. Um, you know, there were so many times where he got, you know, good yards despite not great blocking in front of him, and he was able to shake off defenders and get just those couple extra yards in which he was able to, you know, fall forward and drag a defender just to get that extra yard or two and that's so big you know and an extra yard can mean a first down or it can put you another yard closer to a first down which just you know does things like change the play calling uh you you know you're better off at third and four than you are third and six uh obviously uh you got less distance to go and it makes it so much easier on the rest of the offense for for whatever has to happen, if you're if you're throwing the ball the next play, uh, the quarterback doesn't have to throw it as far. The offensive line doesn't have to block it as long, and all the receivers got to do is secure the catch, and they don't have to go as far to gain the first down. It's it's that easy. That that's why you know an extra yard or two, um, it, you know, is so helpful, and that's what I think Jamal Williams got this past weekend kept the chains moving, and kept the clock grinding. You know, especially when, you know, the Packers have the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, you got to milk it, and they were able to do that with Jamal Williams, and that's what was so good um, about what he did this past Sunday and what I'm hopeful he'll be able to continue doing uh, for the foreseeable future. Like I said, you know, on Monday's episode, it didn't hurt, that he had kind of fallen out of favor, and I think that motivates him uh, to continue to play well. So uh, good luck, Jamal Williams. Um, All right, in in special teams news, the Packers re-signed long snapper Brett Goode on Tuesday. You'll remember the Packers originally came to an injury settlement with Goode back in September, requiring that he be out at least six weeks so now that that time frame has elapsed, he was eligible to sign again, and that's a good thing. Uh, both Tabor Pepper and Derek Hart had bad snaps this year that have led to missed field goals, and that's just something you never saw from Good in a decade, let alone one season. There isn't a single instance in a decade where you could say Goode was solely responsible for a missed kick or a turnover or whatever. If anything, Goode's snaps have been off by inches and nothing so much as to, you know, prevent the holder from 
from making the catch and still getting it down. Um, and, and understandably, the Packers are in the midst of a change at the holder position too with Justin Vogel in just his first year doing this, and, and he's got to learn to be more consistent too. Um, so anyway, the Packers released Derek Hart on Tuesday. Uh, although, if God forbid, Good suffers another injury, I wouldn't rule out the Packers bringing him back again um, just in case. Um, you know, I don't think he played so poorly that'd be like, oh, we're never bringing you back again. Um, but the bigger question is how do the Packers plan to replace Brett Goode long-term? Sure. They plan on getting through the rest of the season with him. Uh, but can he play another one? Boy, after what they've seen this season from Pepper and Hart, um, uh, are either one of them worth bringing back? The Packers may feel as if, boy, well, let, let's try to get through 2018 with Brett Good, even though he's near the end of his career. Um, you know, maybe they bring back one of these guys to compete for a job, but it looks as if the Packers are still going to have to find another reliable snapper at some point, whether it's this offseason or in another one. You know, may, maybe that player is in college football right now. Um, the the long-term solution to the long snapper position, it's difficult to say, but it's definitely, you know, been more in focus than ever before. It, it's so easy to take for granted the long snapping position when you got a good one like Brancoot has been all, all throughout these years. It, it makes me feel like, wow, at some point, he should have been the long snapper in the Pro Bowl sometime throughout his career. He deserved it just based upon how accurate he was, if nothing else. Um, because it, it, we've seen the struggles the Packers have had this season without him. And it's good to have him back, even if he's aging, even if he can't get down the field and cover punts as good as he once could. Uh, or his blocking isn't as good as it once good was <laughs> once was, um, you know those are secondary th- factors to to the accuracy of the snap, which is you know by and large the the most important thing. And if if you're accurate, uh, you know the, you can be a little bit poor in those other areas uh, <laughs> in the in the world of long snapping. So uh, there you go. One other very brief piece of news. Uh, I'd like to congratulate safety Morgan Burnett for being the Packers nominee for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. Every NFL team has their own nominee um, that were released on Tuesday, and the winner will be announced at the NFL Honors Award Show the night before the Super Bowl. So again, congratulations to Morgan Burnett as that news was just released on Tuesday. And uh, good luck to him. I don't know if they come out with semifinalists for the, for the, for the award or what they do, but uh, hopefully um, I, I think of highly of Morgan Burnett as far as sportsmanship goes. From what we've seen on the field and things like that, he's, he's been around for a long time and has played the game the right way. And um, uh, congratulations to him. And we move on. Like I said, no uh, sound bites here, but we're looking at the day ahead. And the Packers 
are back to practice on Wednesday. They'll hit the practice field for the first time since Sunday's game against the Bears. And they start preparations, or at least on-field preparations, for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure they've been crafting game plans and watching film already, but this is the first time they'll really hit the field and and you know put the X's and O's together for the players. Um, Mike McCarthy, the head coach, is back to meeting the media before practice. He'll hold his Wednesday press conference at 11.45 a.m. Central Time, right before lunch, streamed live at Packers.com. The Packers, after practice on Wednesday, will release their first injury report of the week. And the guys we're watching today are, first and foremost, probably running back Ty Montgomery, whose situation we updated earlier. He has a rib injury. He won't rule himself out. Mike McCarthy says he's got a chance to play, and it would certainly be big for the Packers uh, knowing that Aaron Jones, at least for now, will not be able to go. So the Packers could use the depth at the running back sit, you know, at the running back position. They got a situation there, whereas if Ty Montgomery wouldn't be able to go for whatever reason. The Packers may have to, you know, maybe make a move to bring in a running back, at least to the practice squad. Right now, there's no running back on the practice squad. You know, they're they're in pretty good shape in that they got four, you know, true halfbacks on the 53-man roster, plus fullback Aaron Ripkowski, who can, you know, play in one-back sets in a pinch. Um, that they they're they're fine there. It's not like they really need one, except if if both Jones and Montgomery can't play. Then you're pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, so uh, we'll see where Ty Montgomery's at, at, if he's in the limited category or whatever he is in practice. Then we're also looking at the status of two defensive players who didn't play in this past game against the Bears, those being safety Morgan Burnett and defensive lineman Quentin Dial. Uh, we want to see if they practice at all, and if they do practice, whether they're limited, they're full, whatever. My guess is they'd be limited, you know, seeing as they missed last week, and I doubt they're back to full speed already. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, definitely can use Morgan Burnett back there. Like I said, I think it's a drop-off from him to guys like Mar- Marwin Evans and, and Jermaine Whitehead, who saw time this past week. And I think they'd see, you know, even though they didn't play a ton, I think they'd see even less time. Uh, if you know Morgan Burnett's back there and the Packers have to make an adjustment in the secondary I know he plays linebacker some of the time so it's not you know as if you're really switching one player for you know one position you know things are kind of flexible there in the Packers defense as they trot out different looks Uh, but whatever personnel they're in uh, having Morgan Burnett on the field uh, is is better for this Packers defense than than not having him out there. He played so well the first you know four, five, six games of the season, whatever it was, um, before he got hurt, and uh, really think he is playing really good football uh, before kind of being limited here lately. Um, and Quinton Dial uh, just be nice to have another healthy body and helping the depth of the Packers defensive line, if nothing else. Um, you know, obviously Kenny Clark and, and Mike Daniels are playing well out there. Uh, but 
It's it's the defensive line. They're rotated out once in a while, and to have Dial and Montrevious Adams and Dean Lowry out there, um, the depth, uh, rather have good depth than poor depth. So hopefully we'll see those guys return to practice in short order, and we'll learn more about that on Wednesday afternoon when the Packers release their first injury report of the week. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest. We'll be back again in just two days from now as we take a little bit closer look and preview a little bit more about the upcoming game against the Baltimore Ravens. The Packers will be wearing their throwback jerseys for this one. And uh, returning home after a week on the road. We'll talk more about it then. Uh, Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show. Podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiravu. I leave you today with a song called Simple Gift of Man by Brothers Past on Sci Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Go.